Welcome to the podcast, all of you wonderful listeners. I'm Brian, this is Paul, and we are hosting the That'll Preach show on the Forex Midtown podcast. We're a weekly show. We talk about fun stuff, theology, culture, and now Christmas. 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 That worked pretty nice. Yeah, I think uh, we're going to add a, a Christmas intro song. You probably already heard it by the time we're recording this, but uh, we're going to do something a little, we're going to spice we? it up a little bit. Well, I just decided that right now. Right. So we've now committed to doing this. Oh, I thought you were going to do it like right now. No. No, okay. No, so this no. is for the future. Okay. No, you're crazy. All right. But I uh, hope you guys are enjoying this wonderful festive season. And uh, Paul, are you, are you looking forward to it? Looking forward to it. Oh, right? yeah. It's going back be to nice. New York, New York City. It'll be fun. That's my New York accent. Do you like that? New York. New York. Actually, you're from Brooklyn. So. <laughs> Brooklyn. Brooklyn. Yeah, you go up there. We're just going to put up a tree and celebrate <laughs> Christmas. That's all we're going to do. It sounds like Jim Gaffigan doing a Brooklyn accent. <laughs> I take that as a high compliment. Uh, okay, so Mr. New York, before we jump into our, uh, you know, our topic for today, we got to do all the listeners want to hear the hot take. I know. Hit me with the hot take. All right. Another Christmas related one. And this is going to ruffle some feathers. Michael Buble or Michael Bubble, as I like to call him, is just terrible. He has a terrible voice. Wow. His, his originals are just not. I don't even like great. the Beatles, but I think that's crazy. That's more sacrilegious. It might you don't be. think he has a good voice? I just think he sounds annoying. I think he's like the. Like you don't like his the, style or you really, his voice, you just don't I, think is good. Both. Like the poppy, the voice. I think he basically sounds like a, like an adult, worse diaper. Justin Bieber. <laughs> he sounds like an adult diaper. <laughs> yeah, I just I don't know. I I don't get the hype. I don't think he. he Justin sounds Bieber that great. is an adult. <laughs> you know? Yeah, he, he is. sounds like an adult. Justin. <laughs> to Bieber. me, he's just perpetually fourteen years yeah, old. <laughs> I get that. But yeah, I don't know. What do you like, Michael Bublé? I don't. Please don't say yes. No, I don't. Okay. Like swoon over him. Well, that's good. But. I don't know. I I wouldn't say he has a bad voice though. That's kind of that's quite the claim. He's, uh, I mean, who, who, who maybe he, he's just overplayed and irritating. Maybe I just don't like the fact that he's all over the radio stations. Okay, like from November twenty eighth to January well, five. Who do you like, like, in terms of like music? Uh, for Christmas, I don't. So to. okay, so this might even be more of a controversial. I don't like any of the like contemporary stuff. I just like the old school hymns. Hark the Herald Angels. Okay. A little town of Bethlehem. Yeah, we already did a podcast. Oh, come on, you faithful. Like, yeah. I don't know. All I want for Christmas is kind of just like it's cheesy, it's sappy, it's consumeristic, it's lovey dovey. Oh my I don't gosh. Know. It's just weird. What about uh wait, are you talking about the Mariah Mariah Carey song? I so Mariah Carey can sing. Like, don't get me oh, wrong. You just hate I'm the just song. not a fan of like the Christmas pop genre. Okay. More specifically, I think Michael Bublé actually is just not, I think he's just massively overrated. Yeah, I know. That might be worse than your Beatles crime. Yeah. Yeah. Everyone will get it off my back because- uh, Yeah, I'm, I'm going to get all that. That's high now. treason in the I know. music world. I know. But I'm sticking to it. Okay. All right. Fair enough. That was a hot take. It was hot. We're going to uh, we're gonna get to the actual topic today. We're, we're talking about Christmas traditions. Yeah. And uh, we want to kind of do a little deep dive into uh, some of the roots and the history of some of these things that we do for the Christmas season. That we actually did research. We did research. We did lots we, of we're research. not just making this up. Like every other podcast, we, we just make it up. And you guys don't know, right? You're not going to look. You're not going to check us. So, but this we actually looked at some resources. So we, we've got four traditions that we're going to look at and yep. unpack the roots of it. What's surprising is a lot of these have Christian roots. Surprise! Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. It's a yeah. Christian holiday, but. 
Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about Santa Claus, Christmas lights, Christmas trees, carols, all that stuff. Yep. And uh, do a little history lesson. Yeah, so you can start. I'm going to start with Santa Claus. Exciting. St. Nick, St. Nicholas. Tell me about St. Nick. So a lot of this comes from the Gospel Coalition. They did a really good write-up on it. So you could just read that, but you could also so you listen cheated. to me say, nice. you stop, all right. it. stop it. Go, go listen to your Michael Buble. <laughs> so St. Nicholas... Uh, was born in 280 AD in Patera, Asia Minor. He was a Christian. He became a bishop of Myra, which is in uh, modern-day Turkey. And he died in 343, near the day December 6th. And that's basically all we know for sure. (laughs) Okay. Uh, A lot of the rest of St. Nicholas's life is a mixture of lore and folktales and, you know, maybe some pseudo-historical stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So... uh, uh, the uh, Justinian, the Roman emperor, dedicated a church to him in Constantinople. So he had some clout in the Christian tradition. He was known as a possibly a martyr underneath the Roman emperor Diocletian and Maximian, if that's how you say it. Probably not. And uh, it was he, he allegedly attended the Council of Nicaea. He opposed Arianism, which is one of the early Christian heresies, all that good stuff. And uh, he was known as a very generous... Wait, I, I got to know. Did you... You know how people say like he punched Arius in the face? Is that true? I, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm asking. Oh, I, I hope that's true. That'd be like, awesome. Apparently he just like couldn't, was just so fed up with Arius spouting heresy. It's really? probably just legendary, but people uh, do like. I hope that's true. It's like, That'd hey, awesome. I came to like deliver presents and punch Arians and I'm all out of presents. He opens up the box and <laughs> just says fist and he just. Pops just decks him in the face. So, uh, but he was known as a generous gift giver. So mm. he was born into a wealthy family. St. Nicholas was, uh, and his parents died, so he inherited their fortune, and he actually ended up giving most of it away. There is a legend that there were three girls who were extremely poor, about to sell themselves into prostitution, but St. Nick threw three bags of gold out for them, so they wouldn't have to do that. Uh, And so Christians ended up celebrating his life on his saint day, December 6th, I believe, Hmm. uh, by giving presents. And the idea is that St. Nick would come the night of December 5th in a red bishop's robe and fill boots with gifts. Ah, okay, so that's where the traditional... The stockings and the yeah, red Yeah, exactly. Okay, the, okay. That's where that, that Santa Claus idea comes in. Uh, there were some legends that he was a wonder worker. He could bring kids back to life. He destroyed pagan temples, saved sailors who were lost at sea. Interesting. Another interesting legend was that he only had to nurse for two weeks as an infant. <laughs> And he fasted the other five days. So <laughs> that's kind of I hilarious. Mean, I don't know. I don't know baby. which one of those is the most amazing wonder. Probably yeah, yeah, the yeah. not nursing. <laughs> that's probably amazing. Uh, the most amazing one. Interesting. But uh, so how did it become Santa Claus? How did St. Nicholas become Santa Claus? Well, uh, Christians celebrated St. Nicholas throughout the generations. It's interesting. Germany, uh, St. Nick would come with Necht Ruprecht, farmhand Rupert. It's German for farmhand Rupert. Okay. And he would, and he would come and threaten to eat misbehaving children. <laughs> <laughs> that is terrifying. <laughs> and uh, and in Austria, the legend was that he would visit naughty children and threaten them with rod beatings. Oh, that is so morbid. I mean, like dark. Jeez. A little bit of coal. That's yeah. nothing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He used to, to a beat rod and beating. eat kids. So there, there it is. Uh, Protestant reformers didn't like the saints, so mm. Luther rejected the saints' days. He didn't like the St. Nicholas stuff. So instead yeah. he celebrated Christ Child Day or in, I think in, I guess it'd been German or something. It was Chris Kindle, hmm. which is why we get the name Chris Kringle, oh. as, which is like the legal name of Santa Claus or whatever. <laughs> and, uh, but okay. So, but Santa Claus came from the Netherlands. 
The Netherlands held on to this tradition and they translated their, they called St. Nicholas, Sint Nicholas, that that got contracted into Sinterklaas, which became Santa Contracted makes it sound like they got a disease. Yeah. <laughs> Interesting. Did you hear about Danny got Santa Claus? That's <laughs> Brooklyn. Brooklyn. Yeah. That was actually really impressive. No, I appreciate that. That makes all of my research like just look terrible in comparison. Well, I, I thought it was fascinating. I mean, it all came from the Gospel Coalition, so I can't because it's Kevin DeYoung, but I thought it was interesting and so he amazing. started out as a real person he was in a real the third person, century. Real saint, he gave martyr, gifts. Lots and of then, like some legends accrued. And then right. like all throughout Europe, they had these like different variations right, of right. this kind of grew. Interesting. So Luther wasn't a fan of Santa Claus. No. Okay. But he so, did have a day called Christ Kindle. But did that overlap with Christmas? I think it might or, have. Something like that. Interesting. I'm not 100% sure. Huh. Wow. Yeah. Well, there Isn't you go. amazing? Where did like the elves and the reindeer, that's probably just like 20th century additions. It came from, I wonder if like Coca-Cola. They're the Nephilim in Genesis 6. <laughs> So go go read Genesis six so you can laugh at the joke. The elves it just the- that was the nerdy Old Testament that joke. Was. But whatever. This is what we do. Eleven p.m. on a Wednesday. This is our best stuff, though. It is. So wow. Okay. All right. So what? Okay. So that's that's the deal with uh, Santa, Santa Claus. Claus. You want to talk about Christmas trees? Yeah. So interesting. So the use of trees to celebrate like winter holidays goes back all the way to my people, the ancient Egyptians. So the ancient Egyptians would use palm trees. The Greeks and the Romans would use some kind of like firs or evergreens inside. And it was always to celebrate like in the winter months, you celebrated like the hope of spring coming. So these like really um, long living trees represented fertility, all these kinds of things. Uh, So it was a long lasting tradition. However, the specifically Christian origin, the best I could find was some scholars say that uh, in the eighth century, a English Benedictine monk named Boniface went to Germany as a missionary um, to evangelize the Germans, basically. And so one story has it that he walked on, walked into this like group of um, German, you know, pagans who were sacrificing to a massive oak tree. Boniface saw this. Boniface saw this. Yeah. Okay. He saw that like these people were sacrificing to this massive oak tree that they worship. And he was so enraged at the idolatry that he just took an ax, chopped down the oak tree. And like all of the, the tribes people there were just terrified. They thought he was going to get struck down by lightning for killing the God and nothing happened. Um, so he took this as an opportunity to evangelize to them and tell them like, this is the false God. He hasn't done anything to me. Here's the real God. Man. And then tradition has it that a, like a, a fir tree grew out of that dead oak tree stump. Which probably doesn't like it wouldn't work genetically, but yeah. So that that's like the specifically Christian um, origin. So he he basically was like showing up these pagans, and it ended up taking. He, he pulled an Elijah. So, yeah, he basically just went and like or like Gideon when he chopped down the Asherah pole. It was basically that sort of thing. So they were what were they doing to the tree originally? They were sacrificing to the massive oak tree. Oh, yeah. So that was their like their deity, Man. and he was just like. He didn't have any of it. He just chopped it down. And um, that's why every Christmas we sacrifice before oak trees. <laughs> is that right? Is that why is that, we do is that? Is that what you do, Brian? I what? Feel like I need you to don't do that? I mean, I don't do that. Come over for one of your Christmas traditions. Yeah. But so, so that was the initial um, legend. So may, maybe that's right. Maybe it's not. But more specifically, closer to modern times, in Germany in the 16th century, um, as the Protestant Reformation was beginning to, to spark throughout Germany, uh, Christians would take 
uh, pine trees and fir trees and bring them indoors, decorate them with gingerbread, nuts and apples, and the triangular shape, what's supposed to be symbolic of the Trinity. And so they're celebrating the Trinity acting in Christmas, the Father sending the Son the, through the, the path of the Holy Spirit. shape? I mean, I mean, if you look at like a-, a No, no, I'm saying, yeah. I had no idea that there yeah, was- Yeah, they are triangular in a sense. What? Yeah. And they're evergreen, which represent like the life of Christ. So yeah, it was there was a lot of thought put into this. Um, Unbelievable. Yeah, so so Luther specifically made this uh, tradition really like his endorsement of it, like spread it like wildfire throughout Germany, and then German immigrants in the 1800s brought the tradition over to the U.S. And yeah, everybody so started using Christmas trees. Who does? It just came to be that they they who 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 like thought of the triangle to be the Trinity. Um, uh, it's unclear, but. You know, it just sorts sort of, of developed. Yeah, like this. Like you look at it, it's 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 whatever. It's green. It's evergreen, so that symbolizes life. And then it's got the trinitarian shape, which is usually in the church tradition symbolized with a triangle. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. So it's got all these points. Yeah. So Luther, the Protestant Reformation, were really the ones that like really set it ablaze and made it part of like the Christmas tradition. Um, so first it was just gingerbread, nuts, and apples. And then it became bells, and eventually Luther uh, added lights. But I'll, I won't go into that. I'll leave that for you. So they would decorate it with ornaments of, of yeah, gingerbread yeah. and nuts, and yeah, yeah. And then wow. we we got our candy canes and whatever evolved from that. Yeah. Well, let's. You were mentioning Christmas lights, so that, yeah, yeah. that's 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 an interesting one. I, I was doing some research on the Christmas lights. I got some Time magazines. Nice. Pretty fascinating. So Christmas lights were invented by Edward Johnson in 1882. Now, Edward Johnson was a friend of Thomas Edison, who created a light bulb. Ah. Right? They were friends. Uh, but uh, he didn't, Edward Johnson did not come up with the tradition of lights on a tree. Okay. Generations past who were wealthy, if you were rich enough to be able to afford this, you would uh, express your Christmas spirit by lighting candles on trees. You'd hmm. have them draped around. And you'd yeah, light yeah. candles, and that would that would be the thing. You'd get the family around, light them, then you'd blow them out just for a couple seconds. You'd look at them and just a spectacle. Okay. And the idea of these candles that were draped around the tree was they signified the light of Christ. Uh, so I guess if you know, there's the Trinity, the, the, the triangular shape of the tree, and yeah. then there's yeah, yeah. the the evergreen, the life of Christ, and mm -hmm. all the ornaments. The, were the ornaments symbolic? I don't know. I don't, like know. I don't think bread. so. Maybe I didn't, didn't just, say anything about but that. But regardless, yeah. the lights were symbolic of yeah. the light of Christ. Uh, the problem is a lot of fires were set by this. <laughs> you can imagine <laughs> if you're lighting all these candles on these trees. It's Indoors, like, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> there, there were some major issues. So Edward Johnson decides, well, why don't we just string these Edison light bulbs, hmm. and he actually had different colors of them, and he'd string them along. I think he had like eight of them on the first one. Yeah. And uh, put it around the trees. Now, this idea didn't catch on because people at the time in the U.S. were very skeptical about electricity, about its safety. Sure. And it was also very expensive. It would have cost like 80 bucks, hmm. right? I mean, in, in modern day money. So, uh, and, and, and the, the bulbs were giant. They were heavy. It just wasn't aesthetically pleasing. It wasn't until the 1920s that GE, General Electric, gave cheaper lights that were more affordable, pre-made, okay. uh, durable, all those kinds of things. And so people ended up replacing draping their trees with candles to draping them with these Christmas lights. Interesting. Wow. I mean, that's kind of fascinating. I remember reading also that like Martin Luther, so as I mentioned before, like he started putting candles on 
some of these fir trees in Germany. I don't know if he was like directly responsible or maybe he was just a one-off, but he also had that as part of his tradition too. Really? Yeah, yeah. Man, I wonder yeah. if Luther was ever his uh, was ever his neighborhood's Santa Claus. Probably I not. He probably don't know what that it. means, but <laughs> you know, like he dressed up like Santa and went oh, around. You know, I don't know. He doesn't seem like that sort of. Yeah, character. probably not. But probably I imagine like not. yeah, he's he's yeah. So that, that, that's the little <laughs> the background with Christmas lights. And uh, what about Christmas carols, Paul? Tell Christmas us about Christmas carols. carols. Yeah. So I didn't know this, but apparently uh, there were. Christmas songs sung in the early church dating back to even 129 AD. Really? So the All first the way instance back. we have, yeah. A Roman bishop uh, penned this song called the Angel's Hymn, and he basically included it as part of the Christmas liturgy. And so every year his church would sing this Angel's Hymn. Um, I, it must have been something along the lines of like the angel's message to the shepherds on the night of Jesus' birth, but something like that. And then all throughout the the fourth century, fifth century, sixth century, you had lots of Christmas specific songs in church, but they were in Latin. So there was kind of like, there was a movement away from uh, the vernacular and people didn't have their own like songs to sing on their own outside of the church context. So it wasn't until the Reformation really uh, with Luther and some other people taking songs and making them in the vernacular and including them as part of just like Christmas tradition. So, so Luther with the candles on the trees, um, also encouraging people to like pen songs for the individuals, specifically outside of the, the liturgical context. And interestingly enough, uh, some of the most famous carols that we have come from like, for example, Charles Wesley. So Charles Wesley wrote, Hark the Herald Angels Sing. Like I had no idea that that was um, a thing. Uh, the first ever... Um, the first line of that song, as it was originally written, was not Hark the Herald Angels Sing, but Hark How All the Welkin Rings in the initial Charles. What are Welkin? So that was another term. It was like an ancient term for angels. Really? Yeah. And then, Ring? Yeah. So Hark the Welkin Rings. So the, the angelic beings are huh. ringing. And then George Whitfield actually was like, that's weird. People are not going to want to sing that. Right. So he changed the opening line to Hark the Herald Angels Sing, and that became part of just the like the American repertoire so, repertoire for uh, Christmas songs. What's the difference between, a, I mean, a, a hymn and a carol? Is there a distinction? Um, I mean, carols are, are hymns specifically for Christmas. Oh, so you can I think see. of hymns okay. as generically just like right. these Christian songs. Carols are ones specifically about like either Advent or Christmas. Um, and so Not to be confused with Christmas Karens. Christmas carols, Christmas Karens. <laughs> you know what Karens are? What is a, oh, you mean like the, the terrible people? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. What is a Christmas Karen? I'm just uh, making a joke. Oh, okay. Those okay. terrible people at Christmas. Okay. Oh my gosh. You're horrible. People, no. Yeah. You, okay. Um, do <laughs> do what you Karens. want, Karen. <laughs> uh, so that was Hark the Herald Angels Sing. Um, Silent Night. There's a tradition about how Silent Night was uh, formed. A rap song first, originally. It was and actually translated. a rap. It was, it was P. Diddy. I'm just kidding. You always bring up P. Diddy. This is like the only rapper you know. <laughs> you just like it's not the only. You know that I, yeah, I like know, other ones, I know, but uh, Silent Night. So one legend says that there was a priest in Austria who his organ broke in the not his like bodily organ, his organ in the church broke, and so he wrote a song that could be sung without organ, just very simply. Um, that's been proven to be just legendary. The true huh. story, which is a lot less. Uh, 
dramatic, I guess. There was a Catholic priest in 1816 in Austria who wrote a song that he could give simply to his congregation, and he designed it to be sung on guitar. So it was, it was meant to be like a one-man show. You could just with a guitar. Yeah. So it was beginning to like to go away from all the like, you don't need a church organ, you don't need all this lofty stuff. It's just really simple. Yeah, it was on guitar. Yeah, and that's why go. the song is so simple. And yeah. it ended up working yeah. out for the song because that's why it's so timeless. Exactly. Anyone can sing it. It's it also you know. goes to lots of different tunes. Right. So it's just it's right. really easy. And it's been translated into something like 14 languages. I remember as really? a kid learning it in Arabic. Yeah, it's just it is one of those like can you sing trans, it? I will not sing it. Oh, okay. Unless you sing uh, Santa Claus is coming to town. Actually, don't. I don't want to hear that. Oh, <laughs> I would do it for free. I know you would. Uh there you have it, folks. Hopefully that was uh that was a crash course. Yeah, crash course. But uh, this is some great stuff. If you like what you're hearing, we're going to continue this Christmas series till Christmas. Even if you don't like what you're if hearing, you don't we're like still going to continue. We're, we don't care what you <laughs> we're think, still really. Doing we're we're going to do what we do, and you can enjoy it if you want. But make sure you leave a review, and uh, lo love to hear from you. Give us some stars, and let your friends know about this podcast so that they can enjoy all the entertainment and the fun times that you currently are enjoying. Don't keep it to yourself. It's Christmas. We should be in a giving mood. All right? Cool. We are out. <laughs>